What about playing rap music? What about being editor of the yearbook? The winner of a spelling contest? Gang bang. You said for you. Okay, you nod, Jamie. Be honest. Be honest on television. Score 21 or better on ACT. Kind of weak on that. Is that for you or not for you? I mean, do you, do you envision that you could score uh, 21 or 23 on the ACT? See, in order to do anything, you have to see it first. You have to see it before you can be it. Or what about 1,200 on the SAT? Is that for you or not for you? What about getting high? Sure, we got a dead audience today. All the nerds are here today. What about being a member of the National Honor Society? Judy? You sure? What about playing basketball? What about uh, getting pregnant? Not for you. You sure are now, aren't you? Not for you? <laughs> At least not right now, right? What about a, a D grade point average? Not for you. You sure? What about driving a taxi when you're 25 years of age? That is a privilege that people of color do not have. Right. She, he said that her statement was very disrespectful. Was very disrespectful. At any time a transgender could get his titties taken out and get him, put a fake dick on and be a man again. What's the difference? Same kind, of, same kind of difference. It's the same fucking thing. And he brings up the time that she sued Howard University for discrimination. He said that she has a history of taking advantage of the situation. So she sued Howard as a white person. Right. You know about the story? No. Okay, so... She enrolled in Howard University, and you don't have to be bl black to go to Howard University, but she felt that she wasn't given certain opportunities, like certain teaching assistant jobs and so forth, because she wasn't black, and she sued Howard University as a white person. Right. So when it's when it's when it's convenient for you to be white and it's helpful for your shit, you're white. But and see that's just that's the thing. That's the thing. Like tomorrow she could straighten her hair, yeah. stop tanning, and just be a white girl out here in this in this world and not have to suffer. Now to the four percentile, and this score didn't improve a year, a month, a week, not even a day. There are three critical stages in black boys' development. Infancy to nine, nine to 13, and 13 to 18. You see, it's easy to see the negative behavior here when he's already dropped out, laid up on some street corner lacking direction. It's more difficult to see it around nine years of age, when they begin to sit further in the back of the class, when they begin to ask less questions, when their ball becomes more important than their book, 
when they begin to cheat on their tests, we appeal to you to turn your sons and male students on early. Teach them how to read early. Teach them the beauty of being black and believing in God early. But many of us have waited, and we have waited almost too late to develop black boys to be men. You know what I'm getting at. America spends $2,300 on Head Start. They spend $38,000 on prison. If Reagan wanted to balance the budget, I can show you can save about $36,000 per person. It's much easier to educate than it is to incarcerate. Now you raise the questions. How long do you stay in Head Start? Year? Two years is the most? How long do you stay in prison? The rest of your life? Question number one. Question number two. Does Head Start work? A 19-year study documents that Head Start works, but in prison, 85% of the inmates that get released go right back in. But as Jesse Jackson says, we have two choices. We can either send me to Penn State or to State Penn. It's your choice. We have got to find ways to intervene. Now we about rising to the stature and the grace of the original brothers and sisters that were part of nature and in conformity with nature, not part of isfet or chaos. We're talking about ma'at. We're talking about reciprocity. We're talking about that which is mutually beneficial between us and the universe. So that's what New Covenant stands for. It means and represents to not violate the contract that we have with the cosmos having been ordained by the universe to come into here. As we were taught, we are ontologists. We're practitioners and studiers of the universe. That's what we do. Ontology. So it is our conclusion, definitively, that we have a responsibility to get back to the natural way of things. So that's what we talk about in New Covenant. You can decide if it contradicts. I'm just glad I finally can meet somebody who speaks English. Every other brother I've met can't seem to articulate anything past go. You know what I'm saying? So I'm good. I'm, I'm glad that, that was a good explanation on what New Covenant is. You follow what I'm saying? You know, I remember my father's uh, explanation back when we, as the New Opian Nation, in the early, late 80s, early 90s, was known as New Covenant. His explanation was much different, but. You know what I'm saying? I definitely, I definitely respect the, the position and direction that y'all are going in under under the or, uh, under the ordain, preordained of natural nature and ontology. We as Nuwapians, we are ontologists of time, history. That's a fucking cakewalk. That's nothing. So when they they have to come to a better understanding, they want to see, oh, y'all was in chains for 400 years. That's where they're coming from. But that's that young mind. That's that not young in age, but young in understanding where Hebrew Israelites is coming from. Okay, so when they talk, it's like you have no boundaries to even fucking talk if you got that in your pocket. You still a goddamn slave, and you're a goddamn slave. Okay, still in 2015 from 1865, you go beyond that. You walk out there, white man said, hold it, let me see some ID. You're a goddamn slave. And we could prove this, because polite the sort of power of the most high and why Yahweh shot. How did he see that? When he was out there on the corner with us after that preliminary. Cops is right across the street. Is this correct, brother? 
What day was that you told me? That day when we was by the store. When was we it, saw Kyle. What, you wasn't police? Right, yeah, yeah. Police was right across the street. They was right across the street right there. And everybody was sh I'm, sh I'm sorry. Everybody was shook. But we know how we operate. We, under, we operate under the auspices of the Heavenly Father. Every, the, the, not, not the king's head. Not, uh, we, we know how it go. So check this out. Cass was like, we got to go. We got boom, boom. Police is right there. Police is down about. Police rode by. So what we going to do? We said, Psh, don't. let's do what we going to do. Is this correct? Who, who was scared, though? Huh? What are you talking about other people? Well, you were standing there. You you were shook for a minute, but but for a second, not for police, but you were shook for the for uh, listen for his rules and regulations that you can't be on the corner. Bored and neglected, and there are brilliant writers out there whose works are not being read. I think we should change all that, but we do not have to rewrite ancient history completely in order to do some of these important things. I would just simply ask, let us investigate carefully the degree of Egyptian influence on ancient Greece, but we must also investigate the Near Eastern cultures such as Phoenicia and the Hittites. After all, Phoenicia gave ancient Greece her alphabet they didn't learn the alphabet from the Egyptians. It was too hard. It was easier to get it from the Phoenicians. And we must begin to work on those lines. I would like to see everyone work also on a period we haven't discussed much here tonight where we really do see Egyptian influence on Greek culture and that is in the Hellenistic period after Alexander got there and Greeks were living in Egypt, a huge number of Greeks were living in Egypt. There I think you can see some real influence. Having, this is now the third debate that we have had, and I'm very struck by what I see as a discrepancy between uh, Mary Lefkowitz's speech and her writing. Uh, cannot uh, follow through, so I wouldn't claim uh, a deep expertise. Yes, I have been to Greece. Yes, I have been. Uh, not only to Egypt, but to Tunisia, to Malawi, to Zambia, to Zimbabwe. So I have some experience uh, of uh, Africa. So I have that background, and I think that uh, has uh, helped me in my general approach. In, in your book, your two volumes, uh, uh, Professor, Bernal, the Black Athena volumes, are you suggesting that you initiated much of this information or are you picking up for, from where others have left off? Well, I mean, I start off uh, looking at the uh, ancient 
sources, the ancient Greek sources, their view of their own history, but I don't take them on face value. I then try to check looking at archaeological, linguistic, uh, cultic information of, from other sources. So I was using a multidisciplinary uh, approach, and I am eclectic, and I've been accused of that. But I think in these areas where there's so little information that one cannot follow the rigor of, of pursuing one particular discipline like linguistics or something like that. One has to look across the board. I was referring specifically to the scholarship of African scholars. Yes, I mean, although I must confess that I came to them rather late on in my study and to some extent... If thing, if that is a consequence of opening Pandora's box... Depends on how neurotic you are. <laughs> no, I mean it technically. Oh, this is yeah. the technical okay. discussion. Openness isn't much fun if you're high in neuroticism. All right. Because you continually undermine yourself. Like openness is creativity, but let's let's not be all Pollyannaish about this. There wouldn't be variation in creativity if it wasn't dangerous. There's lots of people who are very low in openness, and there's a reason for that. Now, it has advantages. You know, open people occupy a particular niche. They're on the edge. Jordan, would you mind defining openness in this particular context? Sure. Well, people, people who are open, um, it's creativity, essentially. Creativity and verbal fluency together make up openness. Now, it's also associated with verbal IQ. So it's the one, there's five personality traits, extroversion, positive emotion, neuroticism, that's negative emotion, agreeableness, that's compassion versus predatory aggression, something like that, conscientiousness, that's dutifulness, orderliness, um, and then openness, which is... um, Intellect, interest in ideas, and creativity. And, you know, you might think the more of that, the better. But no, that isn't how nature works. uh, You can undo yourself by being open. People who are open have a hard time catalyzing their identity. It was misadvertised to me because I had understood it was an effort to see if a connection could be made between the... uh, mafia in Florida and the mafia in Havana, and to the best of my knowledge, the connection never was made. Sometime in 1960, uh, during a period wherein for some previous years I had been doing work for the CIA I was approached by my project officer who asked me if in connection with a planned invasion in Cuba, I would contact a Mr. John Roselli. We started having meetings in uh, Miami. During one of those 
meetings in Miami, I was introduced to a Mr. Sam Gold, who subsequently uh, turned out to be uh, Mr. Giancana. In any uh, dirty job, such as paramilitary activities, uh, uh, assassinations, um, sabotage, uh, and the like, what are known as special ops, uh, almost invariably. And the buck that has caused us to uh, get into those hotels and have those uh, uh, meetings and caucuses and seminars and all the rest has come from the white community uh, without our knowledge sometimes, uh, without the knowledge of some of us. And so therefore the conference takes the uh, takes a tack that is totally different uh, and, and also splits us up too because of our ideologies, it makes us think about ourselves as being different. We're not. Uh, we've got a great deal of work with. We're going to have one short remark from Ms. Burrell and then we'll go to the next question. I think, I think one of the things that needs to be said, Tony, is the fact that political power and the ownership of capital seem somehow to be handmaidens. I think we agreed. I think I've heard that about four times here. Well, if that's true, then uh, you decide which one of those comes first. I'm sure that you'd better have some money before, before the political power comes. I think that's what the congressman talked about a little bit earlier. Little old ladies in tennis shoes that, that get 20,000 votes for a candidate don't, don't have access to it. But some guy that gave $20,000 does, and, and that's the difference. And it comes as a result of the ownership of business. And it, uh, if, uh, if, uh, if we're talking about the ownership of capital, then, uh, then that gets to be important. And all capitalists don't have to own a little grocery store. I mean, there's a broad middle class in this country. They're not capitalists. Okay. Well, they're not they, capitalists. They, they, they're not capitalists. Mr. Sutton said they could get, it, get, could get the CEO. Get to CEO. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Right, may we have the next question, please? My name is... There's been some intellectual blood spilt but uh, I find it very uh, interesting. Uh, but I'd like to end on a note uh, that Mary Lefkowitz uh, raises in her book, a point raised uh, many times by Arthur J. Schlesinger, J.R., uh, that Afrocentrist history is purely an attempt for, uh, to promote group self-esteem, whereas history and I'm quoting, should consist of dispassionate analysis, judgment, and perspective. In fact, this uh, desirable goal is very seldom reached in schools, uh, which nearly always stress the achievements of the uh, dominant group or the majority group in that school. Nevertheless, I quite agree with them that one should try to transcend these uh, intellectual or social environments and achieve objectivity as far as it's possible to do so. However, classics, based as it, in, as it is in what I call the Aryan model, uh, <coughs> with its insistence on a 
European and pure Greece is an extreme example of feel-good scholarship for Europeans. Well, that brings us to the end of this meeting. I want you to give yourselves a hand for hanging in here. And